a club known as the Bumbling Fools. Watching the game and the best things in life is the motto and the role. So if you can open up your heart and hear me out just for tonight. Hello and welcome to Q&A Quest episode 333. I'm your host, Tired Wheels, and with me as always... Punished Venom FBM. Tim with Bernie. Wow. Yeah. What? I don't mm-hmm. know. What? You sounded like a fucking Metal Gear uh, character, so I just went with that. Kept you waiting, huh? Yeah, you did. That's true. Okay, moving on. With us, as always. Uh, right. Your man in Japan, Michael Baker, Gaijima Nogatari. As often as possible, anyway. As often as possible, yes. Yeah. And and the other guy, Mr. Diablo. Think it's Joey Junior Shabadoo's Bizarre Adventure. That's the worst name I've ever heard. Uh, I'm sure we could be worse. <laughs> might not be him anymore. I think it might be the other guy. I think his name is Mumbly Joe. Okay, Mumbly Peg. I guess you don't remember that joke from Three Out of Four Sevens. Yeah, guess not. What? Yeah, it's 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 the bit where they're talking about like Homer is talking about the then upcoming 1996 U.S. presidential election, where wow, uh, because he's talking about like oh the aliens are intending to kidnap the U.S. president, and he says like oh it's Bill Clinton, but in a few days it might not be him anymore. Uh, it might be some other guy. I think his name is oh. Joe. <laughs> yeah, that's from the Treehouse of Horror, right? Yeah, Bob Dole. Yeah, Bob Dole doesn't need this. Go ahead, <laughs> throw away your vote. <laughs> Don't blame me. I voted for Kodos. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, before we get started. Before we get started, I feel like I should bring this up simply because of what Wheels is playing on stream that no one listening to the podcast will hear. Uh, it's uh, there, There's a level 5 thing? It was. Yeah, I got level 5 vision. Yes, I, I knew it happened because I got a notification that looked that was about Yokai Watch Wibble Wobble, which is long <laughs> yeah, dead in the West. <laughs> Apparently still going in Japan. Yeah, I mean that that was never going to survive in the U.S. Even when Yokai Watch was an active thing they were promoting, uh, but it, yeah, it still exists in Japan. Uh, I was I was apprised of it by following like Japanese streamers that were keeping track of it, so I saw some vague enthusiasm for it there. Uh, we there was actually some announcements of stuff for the U.S. there. Really. Yeah, huh. uh, so you remember Megaton Musashi? I do. Oh yeah, that's that's coming I, here, baby. Sweet. I thought I saw some news about that on the front page. I'm like, oh really? Yeah. Cool. Is that, is that series re- related to uh, what the hell is it called LBX? I don't think so. I think they are two different no. mecha okay. franchises. Very different scales of operation as well. Got it. Yeah, LBX is a little more like level five take on custom robo. Got it. But yeah, uh, yeah, Megaton Musashi coming to the U.S. I believe in like April or something. Sweet. But 
Yeah, let me double check that to make sure I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, Megaton Musashi Wired. Mm. Uh, yeah, worldwide, April 25th. Sweet. Yeah, uh, they announced that the new Professor Layton game is somehow not going to come out until 2025. Jeez, fucking Christ. Wow. I, I'm kind of curious what happened there. Deca Police is also like slipped out of 2023 to an unspecified 2024 date, which leads me to believe probably late 2024. Don't know what happened there either. Uh, seen some spe some speculation that they intend to launch it as like a cross title for whatever Switch's successor gets called, mm. which wouldn't be terribly surprising. And they announced there would be another level five vision uh, sometime early to mid next year that would have new titles announced. Oh yeah, there was also an Inazuma Eleven game that got a date. Yes, tell oh. me about the footy. Uh, I think it's Victory Road. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, it's been pushed to 2024. It's getting some sort of beta test on the Switch in March. Is that announced? West? Yeah, that's that's a worldwide. The beta test is also a worldwide beta test. Oh, uh, so yeah, that that's that will in fact be in like a bazillion languages english japanese chinese simplified and traditional french italian german spanish and brazilian portuguese and so yeah that that's coming out uh sometime Free. next year yeah you can enjoy your football rpg sweet uh but they're the the level five vision uh like the the thing that was teasing the next one in 2024 when they were talking about new titles, also showed like a big old yokai, so there might be a new yokai watch coming. Give me. So, I, I figured uh, that, that was what we were going to close on because that's what we else want. Yes, give it to me. Hmm. Uh, says, um, I have a few European friends will be stacked to hear about the Inazuma 11 beta. I'm sure. Oh, there's a. There's oh, yeah, a I can imagine. Hype for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Says, okay. uh, looking at the reception on the Japanese side, I doubt that Megaton Musashi will make any big splash. I will buy whatever m number of copies will be required to fucking keep level 5 afloat. Okay. Yos is currently pre-ordering approximately 300,000 copies. Yes. Uh, but yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of those things like I, I don't think, I doubt that Megaton Musashi wired is something that they're spending a shit ton of money on given that it's likely it seems to just be an updated version of the original so it's one of those things that like it doesn't have to sell a ton to make back whatever they spent on it sounds similar to uh, snack world so but that, that one's actually coming here which is again no longer no longer something that seems like a safe bet with a lot of level 5 games so it was interesting and worthy of report but yeah, uh, and it seems like we'll be getting uh, some sort of Yokai Watch announcement next year. So that's that's for Wheels's. Give me. But yeah, so that's that's the news. It's it's December. There's like a handful of things that just leak out, and then the Game Awards happen, and a bunch of things get trailers or debuted, and then we never think about them again. Uh, so, uh, not, not not a lot of news. Uh, Ubisoft accidentally leaked a Beyond Good and Evil remaster. Yeah, I forgot about that. 
Uh, and by leaked, I mean actually briefly put it on sale by accident. Whoops. <laughs> Which was, okay. Uh, impressive in its way. Uh, then, like, backtracked, said, yeah, sorry, that's not available till early 2024. It's a 20-year anniversary remaster. I don't know why they feel the need to hold back on it. Maybe it's not actually finished. Who can say? Hmm. Uh, bearing in mind the... Uh, this would have been the more appropriate time to release it because Beyond Good and Evil came out in 2023. Not 20... Not, it came out in 2003, not 2004. Weird. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, I believe that Ubisoft is at this point some sort of bed of chaos, so... I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's fine. Uh, I... I always wanted to like Beyond Good and Evil more than I actually do. I think it's kind of eh, but it looks like at least a thoughtful remaster, so that's something to be said for that. Maybe they're just priming us up for the... Su- no, I'm not even gonna... It's not, there's, it's not that sequel is both never coming out and we're better for it, because yes. holy shit, all the ideas that they've floated for that are just the worst things you've ever heard. Um, Pretty sure that broke the uh, creator of Rayman's brain, too. That dude seemed to go off the deep end. Yeah, and and Sal seems to have like fully burnt out sometime shortly after Rayman Legends. Yeah. Uh, also, Fireminer says we need a good custom robo and little bit less experience uh, successor. No arguments here. Custom robo on the GameCube still has like the wildest fucking turn that I think I've ever seen a Nintendo game take in terms of plot. Because, uh, spoilers for a GameCube game no one played 20 years ago. Uh, Custom Robo on GameCube has a plot that's mostly, you know, just little robot tournaments for about three quarters of the game. And then at the end of the game, for some reason, uh, you, you leave the little town you've been having your robot tournament in and find out that the entire rest of the Earth is, like, apocalyptically destroyed. What the fuck? Oh. It's a really fucking wild turn. I have I was not prepared for it at the time. Uh, you should play it. It's good. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's never getting remastered. Um, you, you play if you had a GameCube that you wanted to get use out of. You played some really weird games, and some of them were good, like Custom Robo. Uh, and some of them made you think that maybe video games were just a mistake, like something like Go Go Hypergrind. Uh, so you know, swings and roundabouts with the with the old GameCube. Uh, but yeah. So what are we playing? <laughs> oh, there's one other announcement that kind of slipped under the radar. What's that? Uh, P Cube announced a collection of class of hero games for switch and ps5 because here's one and two which uh people what may... is that for <laughs> well, people remember the first game was released by atlas on psp and uh was bought by approximately no one uh and the sequel was brought over by like gaijin one... works gaijin works Vic ireland with a ps3 version 
that he added a feature to where you could use a PSP as a controller and have the map on the screen of the PSP. Shit that sounds incredibly shit inconvenient. <laughs> that feature... sounds like a huge technical hurdle that is not even slightly worth it. <laughs> a feature for one person, that being him, I think. <laughs> I thought it might also be for you, but it sounds like it wasn't. <laughs> no, no. It's not like you can connect wirelessly. I'm pretty sure it had to be wired. Wait, you had to... What the fuck? Oh, for, for sure. Could be wrong. <laughs> you you could usually, like, connect a PSP via the same... Oh, no, if maybe it was wireless, wireless yeah. network. Yeah, so I think the way it worked is you, like, started up the game and then connected to, like, the remote play thing. And the, it was... There was a there, like there was a very brief period where Sony was pushing that in like 2007, but they had absolutely no ideas what to do for it, and it was a huge pain in the ass because it's not really designed to do it, and it has to split resources to do it. So like three things ever used it, and one of them was like, ah, here is a re rearview mirror in F1 2007. <laughs> anyone here tried the last faith nope never heard of it it's really good uh combat metroidvania with valferis megatherian which is a smup sequel of the action platformer valferis of all things nope haven't heard of, haven't checked those out i should check that out uh, also yeah, last faith has a demo and it looks incredibly similar to blasphemous mm. so i finally beat blasphemous too so it's like oh okay maybe i do have room in my life maybe for i need a third blasphemous but with a different metroidvania yeah I don't know. If, if i see if i see a indie metroidvania at this point it needs to blow me away with its trailer for me to have any sort of interest because i've played too many duds i just can't there's a lot bothered. of them out there. yeah there's a lot of them out there uh, yes and everyone seems to go gaga over every single one and most of them are just okay don't need that many metroids in your life well it's not just that just they're just not that good <laughs> i'm sorry they're not also fireminer reports having played the ufo robo grandizer game and describes it as a passable beat-em-up i mean it's, it's, that's not terribly surprising that fits in the grand tradition of mazinger games just to say a passable whatever they are. Granted, the last uh, straight-up Mazinger game was from, like, 1995, so it's been a minute. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it, it, Gra Gra the Grandizer game is mostly fascinating for the fact that it was made by a French company because uh, certain parts of Europe are the ones that care about Grandizer. <sighs> so what have we been playing? What have we been playing? Well, I've, I've just been finding all the different ways I can break Warriors of the Nile, too. That's fun. I like breaking things. It's, yeah, it's just, there's there's a long list of skills that you can earn for these characters, and it's all randomized since it's, like, roguelike. Mm -hmm. And some of the synergies involved take some really Synergy. weird turns. Yeah. Um, I once beat the one of the major boss, actually the fourth chapter um, true boss, the with boss. just an, with one magic character and a literal army of scarab beetles. I think that's how much D and D third edition uh, fights go as well. Yeah, 
So it was like, okay, summon this thing, and it summons two more, and they all auto-promote to highest level, and they all attack, and one of them dies, and it summons a suicide bomber beetle, which also self-promotes, and suddenly I have another nuke on the field. Um, <laughs> it's like, okay. I'm not sure how I won this battle, but it's crazy. I think I know how you won this battle, just based on the description you just gave. <laughs> yeah. I was just like... Half of the stuff is happening automatically because different abilities are activating different other different abilities, and it's just it's fun to see what you can manage. Um, not always, since it's again it's randomized for what you what actually shows up sometimes. But um, yeah, it's been fun. Other than that, um, I picked up a lot. I mean, I used up the last of my um, of my Japanese gift card for. Black Friday last week. Picked up a bunch of random stuff, and one of those was actually another Metroidvania, uh, Momodora. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's like, I, I can't help but compare it to Lost Ruins, which I played three weeks ago. And, uh, yeah. yeah, like Lost Ruins, I've seen that one described as a survival horror Metroidvania, which I can understand. Um, very limited health options. Um, you have to. You're probably going to die a lot until you actually find the equipment that you need to figure out how to kill other things. Mm -hmm. Momodra is much more lethal than that. Yeah. On normal mode, it is much more lethal than that. Um, I'm beginning to think it's probably more of a Souls-like, to be honest. Um, huh. The bosses are easier. The bosses are a lot easier... The enemies have no discernible limit to their attention area. Hmm. Um, like in Lost Ruins, if you got enough, far enough away from an enemy or you got out of a certain like height range of them, they would ignore you. And Momodro's enemies, they will notice you from off-screen. Oh, good. And it's like you, like you don't even know a witch is over there until she starts throwing fireballs at you. Um, so, uh, I'm dying like two or three times per screen, figuring out how to wow. progress in this game. Hooray! Yeah. Um, so, which is why I'm back to playing Warriors of the Nile 2 again. <laughs> oh, well. Figuring, what else to, figuring out what else to play from the long list of games I suddenly own now. And what else? What else has been playing? I could go next. Um, sure. Well, I've been playing around with the Steam Deck OLED model that I got one week ago. Um, mm -hmm. I went through kind of an ordeal with the emulation. Would you like to hear about it? Not really, but we oh. will. <laughs> okay. Well, well, so first thing that's worth mentioning is... Um, I took the 512 gigabyte micro SD card from the old deck and put it in the new one, and it didn't have to format. It saw it. I just had to move all the games into a different folder that it created, and then it saw them all. It updated them, no problem. So that's good. You don't have to re-download. I know this. Right. I don't have to re-download all those games, and 
I really like the screen on it. It's OLED, it's HDR, it's 7.4 inches. So that extra 0.4 is just means less bezels around the sides, um, which is nice. 90 hertz refresh rate. So, so far, yeah, um, and it's 30 grams lighter. And that's noticeable when you go to pick it up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so far, it's a great system for playing Steam games in game mode. Hey, who would have thought? That's so then... So I'm trying to do emulation, and it's like, well, gee, I put, um, I've tried two different drives in the USB port, and it couldn't see them. I tried formatting as NTFS, XFAT, and EXT4. So I ended up installing Ubuntu Linux onto a microSD card, and then connected it to the deck with an adapter, couldn't see it. Then I put the microSD card into the card slot. And it saw it. Great. So I had some uh, ROMs and stuff that I was able to move over from the computer hard drive, you know, using Linux, and then onto the card and onto the internal drive of the deck, which was a whole process. And then a bunch of games just didn't work, and I think something got screwed up during the transfer because some of the files were like zero bytes. It's like, oh, well, that's clearly something went wrong there. Um, So just playing around with, with that, trying to get that to work, and I ended up relearning how to create shared folders through windows oh boy and that was a process yeah i followed a tutorial and of course it didn't work it kept throwing up error messages but i must have done something right because the folder with all the roms and then the folder with all the all my music files are now shareable folders that all my devices can access through the network it's like okay so at that point i was able to recopy some roms and get them to work now, I prefer using RetroArch, but I tried um, Emudeck, and all that really does is just install a bunch of emulators for you, which I didn't need it to do, and it creates its own file structure, which I don't care for, and then it runs everything through RetroArch and Emulation Station anyways. Yeah, and I don't a like bunch yeah. of batch scripts. What did you think it was going to do? I don't know. I don't know what I thought it was going to do, but it's like, oh, I don't really need this. Okay, this is fine. I don't need this. Um... And, um, and so today I went through and I just got RetroArch up and running with all the cores that I need. I find that it's better if you do RetroArch through desktop mode and then just add it as a non-Steam game to play in game mode. So so that's good. I got the emulation up and running and I was trying out some F-Zero GX and it's like, oh, this looks amazing. Like, why haven't they re-released this? They don't even have to do anything. Just a little anti-aliasing and you're good to go. I don't know. I mean, F Zero never sold great. I guess not. And and then they did that F Zero ninety nine. I guess that's all Nintendo wants to do with the series at this point. A I mean, stupid we might battle royale game. It since that just <laughs> happened like three months ago. Yeah. So we can only hope. Um, so then the other thing I was testing out was remote play and streaming from PC. So um, that still works fine. This. This new deck has Wi-Fi 6 support, so does my router that I bought last year. So, um, and also just having the SSD instead of the 64 gigabyte model that I had before, like everything's snappier, everything's faster, downloads are faster, installs are faster, updating is faster. It's like, wow, this is neat. So, so far happy with it. Um, And so with remote play, there's a new version of Chiaki 
that's specific to the deck, I thought, let's try that to stream from PS5, and it was really glitchy, and I don't know if it's the app or what. Um, I found two possible apps that I can use for Xbox Remote Play, and those both worked flawlessly. It's just that one of them was only a 20-minute trial, and I don't feel like paying them. And the other one is just an app image, so there's extra steps I'd have to take to get it to run through game mode, I guess. Um, Yay, extra steps. I know, and then streaming <laughs> from... <the> computer. <laughs> streaming from my desktop computer was fine in terms of performance and stuff, but maybe it's because of the HDR, but everything is really dark. Like, I tried to play Baldur's Gate 3, and it was unplayable because it was too dark. Um, So, yeah. And the thing is, my computer monitor does not have HDR, and so the games won't let me turn it on, and maybe there's a discrepancy there, you know? If if HDR is being forced on it by the, the deck, and it's not actually being rendered i don't know but i I, i'm sure it's fixable if i adjust some settings but but like i said though the thing that it's designed to do which is to natively run various steam games that works flawlessly so you know and uh i mean frame rates are, are i think are a little bit higher just because of the faster ram but for the most part it's the same experience you'd get on a regular deck except higher refresh rate more vibrant colors better battery life lighter weight so just a lot of improvements across the board so I'm happy with that. Um, so, what have I been playing? Um, I did get Mortal Kombat 1 for Xbox. I cleared the story mode. It's short. It's fine. Um, the story mode like starts out cool because it's like, oh, okay, so Liu Kang becomes the Fire God and the Defender of Earth Realm, and he rewrites the whole timeline of events from the beginning of the universe and it's like oh this is neat and there's recognizable characters but people are acting differently and it's fun and then about halfway through it descends into the typical time travel alternate timeline nonsense and it's like oh all right they did that again fine yeah mk's stupid ass plot has fully reached the point where because of how much it needs to escalate every game every game has to be functionally a giant reboot over and over and over we are reaching the point where i expect the next game will require a giant reboot halfway through the plot (laughs) probably um so this but this was um misleading though because the mortal kombat one implies okay they're starting over and it's like well no actually about halfway through, something happens where it's like, oh, this is just a direct sequel to Eleven. Got it. Um, well, that's disappointing. But uh, the, the final chapter is kind of funny because they kind of just invent these new fighters who were... They're, they're jokes, basically. Like, they're... They're from like, there's, other universes. There's, there's sub, Sub-Zero Shao Kahn, basically. There's a Sonya Kano hybrid character. It's Sonya, but with the laser eye and the knives. And it's like, oh, so there's there's these really funny fights. Like there's you fight female versions of like Ermac and Scorpion and Reptile, and it's like, oh, this is kind of fun. So yeah, the the first few chapters and the last chapter are fun. The rest of it is kind of like, oh, this is dumb. Um, but they have what's called the invasion mode, which is kind of like an RPG mode. You're almost like walking around like a game board sort of and doing different battles with different modifiers and you can change characters and you level up and get higher stats and you unlock stuff and get currency to buy seasonal 
items, and it's like, oh, this is fun. I could play this, and and you can still do the this towers. Sounds like a den of microtransactions. Please tell me it is not. Oh, it absolutely is. The um... oh, good. Fuck this game. <laughs> well, unfortunately, yes. It's so you have three different in-game currencies. Oh no. <laughs> and and then you have the currency you actually have to pay for to get premium, premium items. Currency, yeah. Um, so instead of the crypt, now there's just a statue, and you donate a thousand gold, which you just get from playing most of the modes, and it gives you a random item. And you can only do one at a time, and you have to watch the entire animation. It's basically a slot machine. Um, but... But a really tedious slot machine. <laughs> but you do get seasonal... You get these silver coins from doing invasion mode... And those can be used on seasonal items, and they're pretty generous, though. I've been able to get a bunch of neat character skins that I actually wanted. Um, but then, of course, they've already... Uh, it's 40 bucks for the character pass. For some reason, even though Quan Chi and um, Ermac and other guy... Um, yeah, even though a bunch guy. of... Your, My favorite. Right. Even though a bunch of people are in the story, they're grayed out, and I don't know how to unlock them, and I have a feeling I'm going to have to buy them if I, I want to play I them. know how to unlock them. Money. Dollar bills. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Is one of them Havoc? Why did they spell Havoc? H-A-V-I-K? I don't know. I don't know who Havoc is until now. I didn't play Mortal Kombat... I'm just looking up eight. how to unlock these two because they are apparently unlockable. Well, Havoc seemed to just unlock when I cleared story mode. <laughs> yeah, and the other seems to be Shang Tsung. Shang Tsung um, is a DLC. It's a pre-order bonus. Pre-order bonus, and even though I didn't pre-order, the code was still in the package, so go me. Right. Yeah, so he's actually That's fun probably, to play in this uh, one. Quote-unquote pre-order bonus. In all the launch copies, by the yeah. by the new video game, and it probably didn't sell that many copies. Oh, and no, but the process to, I, I bought a physical copy because it was on sale for Black Friday, and gee, there's two discs. I'm like, what do I do with this? So I put in the data disc, and it says, yeah, no, we need to play disc. What? Oh, that's ridiculous. What? Why would you not what? start with the install disc? What? I put in the data disc, and it says, no, we need the play disc. I put in the play disc. It starts installing some data, and then it has to download a 90 gigabyte update file. Jesus okay, fine. So I go and I take a shower, and I, I come back, and it's like, okay, now we want the data disk. Fine, so I put the data disk in. And then a little while later, okay, now put the play disk back in. Fine. And then it let me play, and it's 150 gigabytes if you install everything. But why? Because, because of 4K textures, but oh, now that I cleared it. story mode, I can delete story mode and the 4K textures and free up about 40 or 50 gigabytes just from that. So, bullshit on all that. Yeah, it's, it's wild. It's A lot of it is also completely uncompressed audio. God damn it! <laughs> I like, but I like uncompressed audio. I cannot hear the difference between uncompressed audio and, like, nominal compression, and I would take the gigs that it would give back. <laughs> Sometimes I can hear a difference, maybe. Or I just want to hear a difference so bad that my brain makes it real. There's a, there's a lot of snake oil around audio quality. Yeah. Um, so, so there's that, 
and uh, well, I am playing Diablo 4. I also got that during the Steam Autumn Sale, and anyone who tuned in on Sunday night, we were playing it. So I made a Necromancer just for multiplayer, whereas when I play solo, I have a Rogue that's a seasonal character. Um, so Diablo 4 is pretty good. The, the story is... what I don't care about the story, but it's, it's fun to just... Did you know yeah. that Blizzard has never told a good story? They never have, you're right. And that's so, the truth. <laughs> I'm having fun just whacking demons, you know? I don't care about the story, I really don't. I don't know, the campaign in Warcraft 3 was really good. I'm not going to believe you! Okay, that's <laughs> fair. So, even though it's Diablo 4, he's you. not in the game! <laughs> Listen, I'm just saying that I don't believe you that that one was the good one. Okay. <laughs> it told a surprisingly good story. It told a co- I, I will accept coherent? I'll accept coherent. That's all. That's as far as I'll okay, get you. Fine. I'll take it. Oh, so actually, <laughs> I'm, I'm just coming in here real quick. Um, the chat. So Fireminer was asking about. He's saying use the individual emulator for better compatibility. That that is true. Um, yeah, retro core sometimes sucks. So like, I have some Super Nintendo games in a bin format that retro just doesn't want to see, doesn't care about. So I do have to use SNES 9X. For those um and then have i tried saturn emulator on the deck yeah i'm still kind of working with that because i'm trying the retro art cores and i always have i have roms in all different formats and i always have to remember which core goes to which game yeah i've had no no trouble with saturn emulation on the deck okay and he's saying nah the next mk is going to do deception storyline for the second time well i didn't play deception so i guess it'll be the first time it involved, it involved deceiving. There was a deception <laughs> involved. Liu Kang was a zombie for a minute there. Well, in, in the story in Mortal Kombat 1, Liu Kang does say Deadly Alliance several times. They also brought back Kenshi. He was a, he was a Deadly Alliance character. He was in 9, though. Um, yeah, he's, he's like the one character from Deadly Alliance that they care to remember, rather than fucking winners like Bo Rai Cho. Oh, I hate him. Um, th then there's Nantara, the, there's the vampire chick with the wings. She's pretty cool, actually. I'm just remembering Shujinko. Okay. Shujinko. That was his actual name? Yeah, that was his actual name. It means Were protagonist. Japanese or not? Yeah, <laughs> it means it's Japanese word for protagonist. Yeah, like, that was the joke because he was the protagonist of the, like, single-player mode that's named, I forget, Conquest, I think. So the joke was that, oh, his name's Shujinko because he's the protagonist of that mode. Uh, he, like, like the thing with most of the uh, random jackasses introduced in the PS2 era of Mortal Kombat is that they're all mostly some level of shitpost. Which is, again, why they produced a character named Boracho, whose name is the play on the Spanish word Boracho, which is a term for drunk. Okay. And he had, like, special moves where he, like, threw up and shit. It sucked. Uh, Mortal Kombat's bad. Uh, <laughs> well, I like it most of the time. Listen, bring back Motor Combat. Well, the other thing I forgot to mention is, like... How gross so it feels it tells you how to do one fatality for each character. The only brutality it tells you is the classic, where if you just 
pulled down while uppercutting at the end. Their head flies off. All right, I hold um, on. Before you go on, I have a very important question about the brutalities. Sure. How many rib cages per character? Zero. Okay. Well, then why bother? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, no. So it's. I am so it the the thing is you when you use a specific character they level up and you unlock new stuff for that character so that's on the one hand you can easily get new skins and color palettes for that character just by using them but what i'm kind of learning is that i can't get any of the brutalities to work after looking them up online and i think you actually have to unlock the brutalities by leveling characters up and when i why do people use rpgs for evil I don't know, but then when I looked up the alternate, the second fatalities for each character, like, I put it in, it let me do it, but it doesn't add it to my move list like the old games did, so I have to, like, look it up every time I want to do it. It's horrible. <laughs> so when is Primal Rage coming back? I wish. Oh, man. I, I, want, I want to bring back just all of the shittiest fighting games. Like, give me a Tattoo Assassin's oh, reboot. No, Tobal actually kind of owns. Um, also, the if, if Dream Factory still exists, they're probably still in some kind of blood feud with Square. Battle Arena Toshinden. Oh god, Warshinden. Toshinden did come back on the Wii. No one has played that. I didn't um, know it existed. Okay. Yeah, there's also a Toshinden 4 on PS1 that did not come out in the US. It only came out in like Japan and Europe. That um, game got sequels? Uh, yeah, there are there are three in the U.S. and well, yeah, I only knew about the original PlayStation one, which is the one I played at someone's house, and then I knew that there was a Saturn version called just Remix. Yeah, there's a PC version. Okay. Uh, I think it, the I think the PC version of Toshinden Two has Earthworm Jim in it for some fucking reason. Okay. Uh, which in, in, invariably marries the canon to that of Clay Fighter 63 and a third. Ugh. Um, don't play Clay Fighter 63 and a third. It's really weirdly racist, like pervasively so. Um, yeah. Don't play any of those games, no. Yeah, they're all bad, but that one is offensive. Um, okay. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, like Interplay published the PC version of like Toshinden 2, so it has Earthworm Jim in it for some reason. <laughs> uh, okay. It's uh, it's bad. Like all Toshinden, it's bad. Um, but yeah, there's okay. a, there's there's a Toshinden 4 in Japan and Europe, and then there's a like reboot that I believe spelled Toshinden with different kanji in Japan. Uh, that came out on the Wii, and that, like, seven total humans played. Okay. Um, okay, now I'm gonna have to Google this to see. Toshinden? <laughs> yeah, just Toshinden. Yeah. So then, uh, just just a couple other things I did. I did make it to the final, final stage of Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and couldn't beat it after 30 attempts. Bruh. Hard video and, games. Uh, yeah, and, uh, it's like a gauntlet. It's like... 10 levels in one and it's a different badge but then there's only a couple checkpoints and it's it's a nightmare and the final one is the invisible badge so i couldn't see my character thus i plummeted to my death and then rage quit the game um and then i finally beat freaking blasphemous 2 because the second to last boss is just an asshole 
and it's a completely skill-based, you know, I had all full health, all the healing items fully upgraded, and I still barely got him. I still had to block and, or parry and block and dodge everything, and he sucks. But, then the actual final boss that who you fight, like, ten minutes later, is a complete pushover in comparison, and I got ending B, which is just the regular default ending. To get the good ending or true ending, there's a bunch of other shit you gotta do, which you can do because they just send you back to before the final boss, so you can keep playing the game, and there's no new game plus. Um, so there was that, and um, the other game I tried was Alan Wake 2, because that was also... I got a good deal on that through the Epic Game Store on PC, and it turns out, hey, my graphics card can run it just fine. All right. Wow. Yay. Despite the monstrous mm. recommendations from the developers. Um, I mean, path tracing murders your frame rate, but it runs fine with just regular ray tracing turned on. And I had to watch an Alan Wake recap video because I played most of the first game, but nothing after that, and I didn't realize the two DLCs were canon, the American, American Nightmare, Nightmare game was canon. And then, one of the Control DLCs is related to Alan Wake. And it's canon. Yeah, that's how it And happens. they're creating a Remedy video game universe in which, so Alan Wake and Control are in the same universe, we now know. Yeah, I got like five hours in the Control and got really bored, so I stopped. Um. Yeah, same here. Um... I played it, the it's really neat. cloud demo on Switch, and it's like, wow, this is impressive. And that was... Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it. it's impressive <laughs> that it happened, that it functions at all. It's not a good way to play the game. Nope. No. Um, I played a little bit of that. So, Alan Wake 2, though, you have two protagonists, and so far, in the first, like, 90 minutes, I haven't had any combat. Instead, I'm playing as an FBI agent, and I'm, and I'm a detective, and I'm going to a crime scene and looking for clues, and it's actually kind of neat. It's not what I was expecting, but I like it, though. You know, just scanning environments and looking at clues and stuff. Um, and I'd like to see where it goes, so it's pretty neat so far. I, I, I never forgave... I never played the original Alan Wake because I never forgave it for being, like, a normal-ass game compared to the tech demos they showed in, like, 2005. Because, <laughs> like, back when they showed it in 2005, it was like, oh... Like, the the game, it seemed like they were, like, shooting for slash promising at the time. Uh, sort of seems like, more like what Deadly Premonition ended up working like. Okay. Uh, but, you know, less of a technical farce than Deadly Premonition. But by the by the time, time it came out, it seemed like it was a pretty standard shooter, so... I, was, I, I never forgave it for that, so I've never played it. <laughs> yeah, it is, um... Yeah, it is a pretty standard third-person action-adventure shooter-type game, and you gotta shine the flashlight on the shadow people to break their shields, and then you can shoot them, and then you get flares and a flare gun that you can shoot, and then a shotgun. I think I'd rather just play the Evil Within again. <laughs> you could do that, and... Um, no, Alan Wake I thought was a neat game, because I felt like I was playing a Stephen King book. Although, it also references I guess, like, Twin Peaks and some other weird stuff, so... The horror standard cool. for weird uh, recruit for weird shit in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> yeah, game referencing Twin Peaks. I'm so shocked at this startling development. I need to try to watch Twin Peaks again. Yeah, <laughs> okay, 
Wow, rude. <laughs> Alright, I guess not. Alright, you just used to save me some time, huh? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just figured I'd talk about those three games and the deck OLED, and I am doing another installment of Holiday Buying Guide this year, so, so far, I did some streams for Diablo 4, Mortal Kombat 1, and Disgaea 7, just talking about what I liked about the games and, you know, do I recommend them? It's like, Disgaea 7, definitely, although it's really more for fans of the series and JRPGs and stuff. Uh, the other two games just are fine, just don't pay 70 bucks for them. So. I, I will say that if you don't watch Twin Peaks, you're never going to see... David Bowie putting on an extremely fake Cajun accent and talking about not talking about Judy at all. Okay. So that's a shame. You don't get to see extremely Cajun David Bowie. I, but I want to see that. That was a casting choice. We don't talk about Judy at all. But... <laughs> Firewalk with me. What a what a film. I've I've placed a relevant clip. I, I hear it's wolves. So So Dave, what have you been playing? I'm done uh, talking now. <laughs> fucking what have I been playing? Uh I played some Super Mario RPG, that's the most relevant thing. Yes, that that has infected my brain. I have to hear that every moment, every fucking waking moment. Is that fucking battle theme? <laughs> That's fine. It's been in my brain for like thirty years, man. No, I know. I, get used to I know. It. But yeah, so I've been playing Super Mario RPG. Uh, I, I just got finished with Lands End. I need to, I think, go up to the clouds. I don't know where it's actually directing me to. It's like the one time where it's like told me, go someplace, and it's like, oh, it's back in a place you've already been, but like not in a place that's really obvious, so... Uh, yeah, I, I, had to, I had to look that up, because I remember. Yeah, I'm going to have to look that up as well, because I, I have no idea where it's actually trying to direct me to. But otherwise, yeah, it's been fun. I've been enjoying. Uh, so it's somewhere, it's got, somewhere off in the desert, I think you just go to the end of the desert. Yeah, I'll look. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a good game. It's uh, cute. It's got good music. It's got fun characters. It's got cute dialogue. Uh, the limitations of being a Super Nintendo game means that it knows when to shut the fuck up, which yeah. some of the later Mario RPGs <laughs> have some issues with. Uh, so yeah, I've been, ha been having a good time. Uh, it's it's also made me just sort of want to like flick on Paper Mario in the. Uh, switch online uh, expansion pack so that I can just play some Paper Mario. Yeah, I need to do that because I have never actually played what all the way through the fuck? Paper Mario. Yeah. That's wild to me. Really? Super Mario it's, RPG. It's not that hard a game. Yeah, I know. It just. Uh, I think I was disappointed at the time that it wasn't Super Mario RPG 2, and I, it took until like people raving about Thousand Year Door to realize my mistake. But then I just played that one, and I never, never circled back to the original and played all the way through. I dabbled in it a bit, but never. Shit, because yeah. it's a really good game. Yeah, I know. Paper, yeah, Paper Mario 64 is my personal like. This is the sweet spot for me. Uh, I've I've complained that on a number of times that like Thousand Year Door is when they start really getting into like, hey, can you guys 
speed this along because you're you're just sort of talking a lot or making a joke about how you're wasting my time. Like I've, I've complained about that a lot. I'm probably gonna try to give it another chance with the Switch remake. That I, I it, it's it looks so faithful at this stage that <laughs> I, I feel like I want to like I, I keep thinking that like at some point like remakes that faithful. I'm just gonna start describing them as recreations. To to better <laughs> to better describe what uh, what they've done here because it's like this I, I when when I look at the trailers and I see like people who have devoted their lives to the Thousand Year Door in a way that I have never contemplating devoting any my myself to any video game and watching them react to that trailer and them not quite being sure what's actually changed other than the lighting and graphics a bit is uh it's kind of surreal because it's like okay this is you have just recreated this video game on new hardware and that's that's well that's not what i want but it's fine uh <laughs> I, I i want remakes that are uh i i think i i want to i i saw like a thread on a forum where people were saying like how would you remake x game and i the only contribution i had to that was I want remakes that are contra confrontationally disloyal to the source material, <laughs> and I stand by that statement. Uh, so, uh, it's not the remake that I would have wanted for Thousand Year Door, but I know that a lot of people just sort of want the game again, so... There, there it is, it's coming back. Uh, and I'm gonna give it another chance, this time. This time will be different. I'm sorry. I'm, Maybe. A, I'm one of those people that just wants a shiny version of it. I'm sorry. I, it looked fine sorry. when it was. It looked fine. It looked fine the first time. It looked fine the first time. I just <laughs> want it on a nice Switch card so I could sell my GameCube disc, which I've already they, done. They could have. They could have just re-released it. They could have just re-released it. Paper Mario Collection. Put it on a Switch card. Uh, yeah, that would have been cool. Toss in. Toss in the original and Super, and then there. There you go. Let me sticker uh, star too, since I'm the only person. Well, I, I I would have put sticker star and color splash into their own collection, but uh, you know, just like if you're if you're gonna go to all that trouble, you might as well you know do something with it. But sticker star. What are you gonna do? What? I was gonna say sticker star. I think was one of the ones that did a better job of shutting the hell up. Oh yeah, Sticker Star shuts the fuck up way, way more so than uh, any of its predecessors to, to the point where, of course, Paper Mario fans felt betrayed by it because it, it doesn't talk so, so goddamn much. Uh, also, uh, yeah. not really an RPG. Shut the fuck up. Good game. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Hate you all. It's a, it's, it's a very different game. That's fine. It's fine so for angry. games to be different. Uh... I think that one of the one of the more fascinating things I, I would be interested in what Sticker Star started as, because when they first showed Paper Mario 3DS, they showed a game that looks more like Thousand Year Door, and I'm curious what happened. Mm. Uh, there are screenshots if you go back and look up the Paper Mario 3DS announcement where it's like, oh, they've got partners. Like, here's a Chain Chomp partner, and it's all that disappeared. Not sure what happened. Was it just, uh, hey guys, we have 20 Mario and Luigi games in development. You should probably make this something different. They did have 12 of those. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Something about it. Uh, I, I feel like the other thing, and this is this is kind of the thing that I felt when I played Thousand Year Door for the first time, is that like 
Paper Mario and Thousand Year Door are very, very similar games. More so than just about any, like, sequels that Nintendo makes in this current day and age. Like, they usually have some fundamental shift. Like, maybe maybe not a complete one, but, like, so, some heavy shift that would make it so that you could not mistake them for each other. And Paper Mario and Thousand Year Door are... Like, they, they aren't exactly the same game, but the the underlying, like, structurally and what they're doing is is very, very similar. And I, I feel like at some point someone maybe looked at that and said, between the fact that, that Mario and Luigi also existed on the 3DS and was also a very, like, Paper Mario and Mario and Luigi were already pretty similar, and uh, now they were going to coexist on the same platform, one of them had to change. Uh, and that was probably at least some of why Sticker Star is the game that it is. But it, I would be curious to see at what point in development that shift happened, because again, they did show a version of it that looked much more like the older games, and I'm curious where what that design document looked like. But Yeah, uh, so I've been playing Mario RPG uh, and a bit, some more Star Ocean, uh, kind of just hot swapping between those when I get tired of one I jump to the other and back and forth and round and round we go uh, so that's been fun I've had a good time uh, that's, uh, that's 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 most of what I've been doing <laughs> I, uh, I, don't, I have no idea when I'll be purchasing another video game for myself because uh, I don't know I got I got gifts to get I got gifts to send to people uh, but you know that's that's enough for anyone's money. Too. Yeah, yeah, but that that means that uh, that that won't be for that won't be until the twenty fifth, but weeks from now, we might not even record that week. We probably will. It'll be like three days after Christmas. It'll be fine. <laughs> Listen, I'll be unless, available that week. So. <laughs> unless we want to, unless we want to, uh, unless we want to just have a year end vacation. But vacation? no, no, no vacations. <laughs> Vacation, vacation is all I ever all wanted. I ever wanted. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go ahead and ask you to work Christmas. Well, you don't yeah, pay me. <laughs> Shit. So, we'll double your salary then. I feel like that's a scam. <laughs> um, no, double's better, right? It's two times. What if I, like, suplexed you two times directly into a dumpster? That'd be fair. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, uh, Fireminer brought up something that I had nearly forgotten. The uh, Samurai Showdown RPG on the Neo Geo CD just got a translation. I heard about that. Where I didn't it? even know there was a Samurai there Showdown is, RPG. Yeah, the Samurai Showdown RPG, which was an infamous, like weird thing that definitely only existed uh, because there was just a complete dearth of Neo Geo games that were actually designed to be played in the home. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, yeah. the, the Neo CD got a Samurai Showdown RPG spinoff that exists to fill out the canon between various Neo Geo... Uh, between various Samurai Showdown games... In, in an exceptionally strange fashion, because it's actually split into chapters, 
because like each of them uh, but like not continuous chapters like they aren't like this chapter takes place after the previous one like this is how we're pacing the game it's well this chapter takes place between samurai showdowns two and three i don't remember so what order the same way yeah they are completely non-contiguous you have to know the canon of the fighting games to fully understand why they are happening oh dear I forget what order Samurai Showdown's timeline goes in. It's not linear in the slightest. Uh, let me see if I can get like a quick cheat sheet of what order they actually go in. Uh, because it's, it's really weird. Uh, they all have a very specific place in the timeline. Okay. So the order... As far as I can tell, just looking up a quick cheat sheet by googling Samurai Showdown 5 the 2019 Samurai Showdown game Samurai Showdown the original Samurai Showdown 3 Samurai Showdown 4 Samurai Showdown 2 Samurai Showdown 64 for the Hyper Neo Geo 64 you have never seen one of those in your life the what? the Hyper Neo Geo 64 uh Samurai oh. Showdown 64 Warrior's Rage, which sounds like it would just be an update. No, it's a sequel. Uh, Samurai Showdown Edge of Destiny? I can't even remember what that's for. <laughs> uh, God, what was that for? What is this? Uh... Oh God, that was Samurai Showdown Sen for the Xbox 360. Fuck that game. Was it bad? <laughs> it's extraordinarily bad. It's so fucking shitty and ugly. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, Samurai Showdown Warrior's Rage, which is not the same game as Samurai Showdown 64 Warrior's Rage. Completely different what? video game. Why? Why? I don't know. <laughs> and that is that is the furthest in the timeline. I would like to point out that despite Samurai Showdown, Samurai Showdown 3, Samurai Showdown 4, and Samurai Showdown 2 coming in that order, those games all take place over the course of, like, just over a year. Wow. So, like, this is a really weirdly tight and completely baffling timeline. Uh, I don't know why this happened. <laughs> But the Neo Geo CD Samurai Showdown RPG exists to fill in gaps in the approximately 12 minutes that were not accounted for during those four games. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, th that finally happened. It's a weird curio. There's been, like, at least two or three attempts to translate it in the past that always stalled out. Uh, based on what I could find from the... Uh, Based on what I could find looking at, like, the patch notes for it, it seems to have been largely translated by a guy who once worked at XSeed, so it's probably a good translation. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll probably be messing around with that later. I, I'm interested in that just for being such a weird thing. It's very far outside of SNK's comfort zone, especially by the time it actually came out. Uh, there's also... Uh, so the game has three chapters. Allegedly, 
at some point, SNK expressed plans to release it in the most like ass-backwards way imaginable, which was they were going to release it on Neo Geo CD, PS1, and Saturn, and they were going to do the 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 truly bizarre idea of there were still going to be three chapters like the release game, but each version would only contain two of them. And some of them, and each of them would have a different pair of chapters. Uh, by the time the game came out, it seems that like someone had whispered in their ear that that idea was nonsense, and they didn't do that. But if there's any truth to that, it's really funny. So yeah, Samurai Showdown. The actual fun. You ever wonder why they spelled it spelled Showdown that way without a W? Um. No. Trademark? Allegedly, allegedly, at one point, the intention was to sell it as Shogun Showdown. And thus, dropping the first W from Showdown was supposed to make it so that the, the, two, the opening of each word was spelled the same. But ultimately, someone probably looked at that and thought, you know what, so you know what sounds cooler to people who are just looking in an arcade? Samurai sounds cooler than Shogun. <laughs> but they just kept the spelling of Showdown being wrong. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's all allegedly I would have to look up to double-check my sources on whether that's actually true, but that was the story I was told. But yeah, so, uh... There's your SNK trivia for the day. And possibly for the lifetime. Uh, everyone go play uh, Dark Arms Beast Buster for the Neo Geo Pocket Color. It's a pretty neat top-down action RPG. Uh... Uh, so, uh, what else? What have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing some Destiny 2, because the new season Gross. launched. Quite. Oh, they finally officially delayed uh, Final yes. Shape. Uh, and, uh, honestly, Destiny fans can go fuck themselves. Because everyone... Okay. Everyone... Is there any, are, are there any fans we actually like at this point? I don't think... I think the answer <laughs> might be no. <laughs> There's so much bitching and complaining about, eh, Lightfall, this story's not that great, it doesn't resolve anything. And as I said would happen, they've been doing tons of really good story in every season as it's gone along. And this is another great one. And it's just been a year of excellent content and people not complaining and being assholes. And lots of content creators making annoying videos about yeah, the future of Destiny. Oh, blah, 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 blah. I'm just so fucking annoyed at this point. Not at the game. The game's great. You should play it. Uh, the, much of the community at this point sucks ass. The longer that a, uh, like, continually updating game uh, continues to exist, the more that people will flock to an imagined past where things were good it's true. and seek to live Halcyon there. Days of yore. Yes. Uh, Halcyon updates of yore. Uh, <laughs> the game has been uh, as good 
and as healthy as it's been in forever content wise and even there's been lots of server problems this year they've ironed those out steadily as the year has gone long gone on but you're not going to hear or see that in any in most of the content you'll see on youtube and shit like that it's mostly complaining and bitching like apparently there was something this week where, oh, they removed some weapons you could nor get, earn normally. There's still a way to get them without spending money, but it's a little harder. But there was some huge hubbub about it, and I looked into it, and it's like, no one fucking wants these weapons, and the people complaining about them already fucking have it. Shut the fuck. I just can't. Give me the weapons, wheels. I just can't. Give them to me! If you're tired of the game, take a fucking break. Quitch! This is a, this is generally actually good advice. I feel like there's a certain yes. kind of person who plays this kind of thing. I, I, I'm dancing around the word MMOs because Destiny is like adjacent, but not really the same thing. But uh, like, there's a kind of person who makes this kind of thing their life, and then gets upset when the game is not actually equipped to be their life. <laughs> Who says serve problems got better because there's less people playing? No, come on, no, they were <laughs> they were bad even when I agree. No playing. There were lot, all kinds of issues. Uh, I but, played Destiny Two for a long time, and eventually, you know what happened? I got tired of it. I stopped playing, and I got on with my life, and that's fine. Thanks for the bits, the cheer, Fire Miner. Thank you, Fire uh, I don't. Like, I don't know if the actual population of people playing has been down a ton. I'm sure it's been down, but it, the bigger issue has largely been people not buying stuff. And Which is whole, its own can of worms. It's own can of worms I don't feel like going into, because... Uh, I don't... I don't know. It's whatever. It has nothing. It has nothing really to do with the people that worked hard to make this year of Destiny actually really good, and they got rewarded with nothing. So let's uh, let's hit this question. Fireminer just dropped in the chat since he was so kind as to drop a cheer. Uh, remember when we talked about lifelong WWE fans who think the products were dog shit, but only thought that way to have a justification to watch pirated live streams. What other media product has a significant contingent of hard, of quote-unquote hardcore fans who have never spent a dime on the product? Like, there are 40k fans who buy exclusive third, exclusively third-party miniatures, but at least they have the excuse that, that Game Workshop models are super expensive. Uh, I mean, there's there's always been the, the contingent of, like, person whose life has kind of become being upset at the state of something to such a point that they haven't actually spent money on it in many years, but they don't have other hobbies. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a whole like there's so it's like a personality type. <laughs> yes. I'm just going to bring up Fortnite because there's a similar thing with this recently. There's there's always been people like, oh, why are you playing this dead game? Which is ridiculous because it's always been quite popular. That's a very vibrant video game. Yes, uh, but they did this past month, mercifully ending soon, uh, they brought back the original island. Uh, which... I take it you did not care for the level design of the original No, island. it was ass. Um, as you <laughs> might expect from old assets when they kind of just threw that, the first version of that Battle Royale like together. That, 
Yeah, that that mode was just kind of a like, well, what can we do with this? That's yeah. not this this like save the earth that's not really taken off. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I saw people complaining forever that what you know they missed the old good old days and whatnot. So I was honestly curious about it just from like a s historical perspective. And mm -hmm. now I just wanted to go the fuck away because this sucks so much ass. It's so bad. There's a there's a I would say that like MMO fans would be particularly equipped for this, but that would only it would only really the example only really works for like free to play MMOs. Yeah. Uh because, you know, the 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 kind of person who there's there's a certain MMO fans produce a unique breed of person who has been continuously subbed to something for 10 years and has hated it for at least 9 of those. <laughs> but uh what an interesting see. take on the sunk cost fallacy. Yeah. Let's see, talking okay. about the Oh god. Yeah, I, I don't even want to. I don't even want to quote this directly because I'm not. I don't want to get too internet into oh. this. But like, uh -huh. uh, yeah, talking about people who are who are uh, broke but won't. Uh, uh, specifically talking about people that like are broke and huge fans of something and but don't actually pay. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of those end up being like children playing free-to-play shooters. <laughs> like that feels like the largest contingent of those. Uh, children and broke college students uh, t tends to be the largest contingent uh, of that sort of thing, and it, it tends to be people playing like free-to-play MMOs and that sort of thing because it's like, well, that's what I—that's what you. The times when you have a lot of time and not a lot of money. Uh, I'm gonna answer Pew's question here. Oh no. Yep. Well, he just says, uh, referring to Destiny 2, they ignored PvP for too long, which is what I did most, which is what I used to do a lot in the game too. And I honestly don't really know what happened there. Like in at Destiny 1, they used they released like tons and tons of new maps and stuff, and did lots of different modes and things and that all seemed to go away with two. I don't know if there was a different director or something that wanted to focus more on the PvE stuff. I, I honestly don't know. Destiny 2 has had a couple directors by this point, yeah. So, uh, currently they they are working to improve that, but obviously they it's probably going to take longer now with staff cuts. Yeah. Yep. That's the fun part of staff cuts. Wait, there's no fun part of staff cuts. Fuck no. this shit. Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. This is that's layoffs seem to be a fucking solution by mostly American companies to any sort of financial yeah. problem. They it's they fucking are fucking gross. They they are it's, they're not even. Probably, I was gonna say it's part of the Chicago School of Economics at this point, isn't it? It's like one of those things that like. It's, yeah, it's one of those things that, like, it's not even, like, just because things are going bad. It's, like, some sort of, like, symbolic bloodletting for the market to let them know that, yes, we are, our stock should, you should consider our stock more valuable because we are tightening, we are tightening our belts. We are, we are doing, we are, like, if we are not in, like, an immediate explosive growth mindset, we are going directly to a cut, cut, cut and tighten our belts because we are a serious company. Yeah, it sucks ass. Yeah. Yep. Um, it was, was it like last week or two weeks ago, some one of the Japanese company guys made a comment about how they retain their employees to keep working on the same series 
retention is effect. super super important yes and and some people in the financial sector in America were just blo getting their Aghast. minds blown over this. I'm like, seriously, dudes? I, I had a friend. And just sort how of, Nintendo ends up being a century plus company mm -hmm. already. I had a friend who was like looking back at like Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time and being like, how did they do this? Like, how did they not like crash against the rocks like everyone else? And it's like they were very careful company they took a long time on those games relatively speaking and they just kept people like the the mindset of especially a lot of american developers is that the the executives see the people making the games as replaceable cogs you can keep just you keep at most a handful of them and the, the cogs you replace with these students fresh out of school, there's an infinite supply of them that want to make video games. And they are fresh out of school, so they don't know their value. They're extremely cheap. If you keep replacing them constantly, it's basically impossible for them to unionize, and they're already self-selecting for people who don't want to like deal with collective action. So between all of those things, you get an infinite supply of, relatively speaking, cheap labor, uh, especially compared to the educational requirements of working on a video game. Uh, and, cheap labor and zero industrial or institutional knowledge. Yeah, like, absolutely no institutional knowledge. Like, retention's dreadful by design. It's not even, like, just the fact, like, between... The, the attrition rate is, in, is absurdly high because the working conditions are awful, and even if you try to stay the company will like absolutely like decimate your team the second that the game is out if they don't have like a five-year plan for how long they want to keep selling you like some shitty game as a service and even then they might decimate your team anyway uh so b between those two things like you know most people that start in the industry are churned out of it in like five to seven years because they're high, highly educated enough that they can get jobs in places that will actually pay them and that won't like that even though they're still part of the american corporate corporate bloodletting process they won't do it as quickly as game studios do so uh and given that like five to seven years is now about how long a triple a project takes uh one you've game got a lot and you're of out. Yeah, you've you've probably got tons of people that are churned out of the industry, like from one game or less. It's uh, it's bad. It's it's real bad. It's it is not like AAA games are already unsustainable at their current like scope, and that is unsustainability on top of unsustainability. It's dreadful. Uh, well, I didn't want to be sad this evening, but here we are. Sorry. See what you've done. <laughs> I'll talk about something. Talk about the other game I'm playing, playing, which is much happier. You okay, Watch? Right? Yes, but hold on. Pew has some things in here. Yeah, they just gave on back on the PvP. They just gave up on it. I can't disagree. Um, Put Blood Gulch in there. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Th I don't think they have the rights to. They could make a very similar map, though. Yeah. 
this is this is this is all why Anthem is superior. I mean, Anthem doesn't even have fucking PvP. You are falling for the lamest possible bait. How are you managing? That? You do it every time. I don't know. So you okay? Watch three. Uh, if you keep freaking out, he's just gonna keep doing it. <laughs> it's gonna keep working. Uh, <laughs> so I've gotten to the point in Yokai Watch Three where two two main characters switch between meetup, so it merges your inventory and your Yokai, and everything's a little easier to to manage. And the story has gotten funnier and sillier, including a quest where they wander through a haunted mansion and have to do things like determine which food is fancier and solve puzzles and shit it's fun yokai watch 3 is amazing and uh you should Hello, play it George. by any means at your earliest convenience thank you uh but it is a good way to warm up for the game that comes out tomorrow which is dragon quest monsters trace Oh yeah, yes. I forgot that was coming out. This yes. although it won't be called that here. Yeah, yeah, it's just called Dragon Quest Monsters Dark Prince, something yes. like that. Star Sorrow, remember him from Dragon Quest Four? Oh, he's not a new character. What? Uh, you didn't know? I mean, do they ever no. actually use a new character in these? <sighs> oh, they okay, yes, the Joker. Yeah. yeah, Dragon Dragon Quest Monsters. The the Dark Prince was, uh, I, I believe, uh, it's supposed to start Sorrow. Uh, Half of the Japanese title, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, hence, hence the name, the Dark Prince. He he's one of those characters that they seem that that someone within Annex seems like weirdly stuck on because they also when they did Dragon Quest 4 on the DS and they added that extra chapter he was kind of the lead of that chapter hmm. so there's there's there, there's some groundswell of love for this the character in Annex I didn't play that much of that extra chapter because I fought a chicken and got murdered wow yeah as that I recall it's extremely it. hard yes <laughs> Yes, you go like into a dungeon that I think it like opens up wherever the game ends. I don't remember. It's been a, it's been a while, but you, you go down this into this massive dungeon, and one of the bosses is like a chicken or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard, but... and I tapped out there because you know the main story is over. So yeah, it was, a, it was it was a weirdly substantial bit of added content because you know you had. You got a new recruitable character, and you had like a whole bunch of stuff, like a whole chapter's worth of stuff to do there. So it was, it was. If you if you were a big Dragon Quest IV fan, like the, you definitely want to play. Uh, at this point, I believe the definitive English version is the iOS and Android version because the uh, DS version they didn't. That still bothers me. They didn't translate the party chat. And so a lot of characterization gets lost when you don't do that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they, they translated the party chat for the iOS and Android version. So if you want to play DQ4 in English, you play the iOS and and or Android version, which is the DS graphics, the DS extra content, but with the added translation of the party chat. So 
if I ever if I ever replay it, that's probably the version I'll play, unless we get something that has more. But you know, I, I, I do feel like the the additions to DQ four and five on DS are really nice, actually, because DQ four adds the extra chapter, DQ five adds an extra bride. They genuinely add a lot to the game. So, I mean, kind of coming out in favor of Dragon Quest on DS. <laughs> I was just gonna sign off. Uh, See you, Joe. You should. Uh, yeah, you should. Uh, you should tell tell people where they can find you before you leave. Oh sure. Yeah, I can plug real quick. Um. Yeah. So go to Twitch.tv/smokeandjoegamer, and also on YouTube. Um. Yeah, my streaming schedule's been a little different. I've been kind of splitting my time between live streams on Twitch and then recording stuff directly for YouTube. Um, but yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday nights are typically when I live stream. And any streams you miss, you can watch on YouTube. Um, although some of them, some of my streams are so bad that I don't want to keep them. So, you know, you may not see some of those again. Um, <laughs> some have and, been banished to the Shadow Realm. So then for, for the next month, I'm doing Holiday Buying Guide 2023. And this is where I'm just focusing on games that I played and liked. So... It's more positive this year. It's going to be praising games that I like and stuff and trying to help you decide if you want to buy them or not. It, um, is it a shorter list or a longer list? Oh, um... Checking it well, how many... Hang on. I did make a list of everything I want to cover. Let me just bring that up real quick if I can find it. You down. So... Yeah, I remember Futurama too, buddy. <laughs> well, I already covered... Uh, Diablo 4, Mortal Kombat 1, and Disgaea 7. But I also want to do Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Steam Deck OLED, Sonic Superstars, Blasphemous 2, Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Pikmin 4, Tears of the Kingdom, Fire Emblem Engage. Remember that came out in like February? Engage. Yeah. Engage. Final Fantasy 16, which I did like, and we're not going to get into it. Um, <laughs> Thank you. RE4 wait, wait, Remake. Wait, hold on, I have questions. Oh, no, no, RE4 no. Remake and Street Fighter VI. So, um, you might be thinking, what about Starfield? I didn't like Starfield. And you might be thinking, what about Jedi Survivor? I didn't play it. So, if a game is not covered this month, it means I either didn't play it or didn't like it. So, Fire should take the chance. is probably going to be like the lost title this year, and it's really good. That's a bit yeah, of a tragedy. Yeah. I thought it was on sale. I should, uh, if I had had more spare cash, I would have grabbed it. But I need to. I don't have any spare cash anymore. I have to, now I have to buy gifts for other people somehow. How am I going to do that? Engage. Oh no! <laughs> I was gonna. What was I gonna say? But yeah, uh, I'm gonna try to make a resolution that I will finish uh, Final Fantasy 16 before the end of the year, so that I can talk just all kinds of unvarnished <laughs> shit about it. Yeah. <laughs> And finish. Uh, I, I have to. I've, I've got two essays about how I think it sucks that I need to finish and put on the dusty disused Patreon. Uh, but we'll we'll see. Mostly, I just don't feel like sitting down and recording narration because that's a pain in the ass. But I gotta eventually. So engage. <sighs> Look for those by the end of the year. Um, but yeah. Uh, God, fuck that game. Okay, moving on. Uh, but yeah, so check out check out Joe's Twitch and YouTube. Uh, 
always always good to support your small scale streamers. They're very engaging. Yeah. I need the followers, man. I need the follows. <laughs> All right. Can I go now? No. The Frogord is also cursed. Free topping. <laughs> Do people can people who hate Star Trek leave? Yes, I'm wondering that too. No, you have to stay even longer. Oh. All right. See you guys. It was fun. See ya. Good night. God, I'm trying to remember which Star Trek cast member asks the same question as Bender in that Futurama episode. Uh, what a, my brain is saying it was Walter Koenig. My techiums are preparing a spectacle. Yeah, very. Uh, that's one of my favorite, like under <laughs> underrated uh, Futurama lines. Can people who hate Star Trek leave? No, they have to stay even longer. <laughs> An attempt to halt our efforts. Um, I must call upon you to defend the dream see. city once again. Uh, let's hit one that's that's right up my wheelhouse because I like weird uh, video game history shit. Speaking of which, uh, I forget what this was. Uh, oh, this was way back. We uh, checked this uh, by itself, which was what are examples of developers that lost part of their identity along the way. But speaking of which, wasn't Namco a lot more interesting? Well, a much more interesting company before the merger. I've been reading about Tengen's unlicensed NES releases. Namco created pretty capable chips that were used in Tengen's cartridge. Yeah, I mean, Namco at one point was a uh, was was a company that was much more uh, held close to the vest of God. What was his name? I want to say Hayao Nakayama, uh, which. Uh, led to a lot of uh, idiosyncratic choices. No, Nakayama was uh, Sega. God, who was the Namco founder? Um... Oh, it might have been Masaya Nakayama. Yeah, Masaya Nakayama. Nakamura, Nakamura. My brain is fucking dead right now. Uh, Masaya Nakamura, who was a, uh, was the founder of Namco and uh, kind of a prickly man by all accounts. Uh, uh, I, I, one can never forget that he was the one presiding over Namco during the period when Toru Iwatani made Pac-Man and uh, received no bonus for it at all. Oh. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. We're, like, uh, when when interviewed about it, I believe Iwatani said that, uh, I believe it was mentioned in my quarterly review. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> wow. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nakamura was... Uh, allegedly, kind of a kind of a prickly man, uh, a bit of a piece of work. Uh, early in the Famicom's lifespan, Namco was one of the first licensees on the uh, system, uh, and enjoyed a lot of privileges other licensees did not get because they were kind of a big deal company at the time. Uh, mm -hmm. they had fewer strictures on cartridge manufacturing. 
Uh, they generally were allowed to sort of play by their own rules. Uh, and infamously, when it came time to re-up the licensing, Nintendo tried to rein them in to make them sign the same shitty deal everyone else got, and Nakamura got really, really pissed off. Uh, and Namco, for a period of like five years, primarily becomes a like PC Engine and Mega Drive developer, and <laughs> uh, teams up with uh, like has their games released in the U.S. via Tangen as unlicensed cartridges. Uh, so, just a a move that seems to have been principally based on spite. Uh, that always Namco, works so well. Namco and Sega become fairly fe uh, being fairly fierce competitors in the arcade. Namco uh, basically totally abandons Sega after the Mega Drive. Uh, hence, uh, Tekken as them uh, Tekken becomes the de facto PlayStation fighting game franchise uh, in rivalry to Sega's Virtua Fighter on the Saturn. Uh, with Tekken, when you pay attention to its plot, kind of starting as half like pastiche, half parody of Virtua Fighter's insane plot. Uh, but yeah, it's Namco was run by a very uh, strange set of people, and you had at the f head Nakamura, who was a weird man to say the least. Uh, and, you know, eventually they, they bury the hatchet, and, uh, by, by the early aughts, like, he's on his way out, if he wasn't already, because he was born in, like, the 1920s. Uh, so, by the PS2 era, he was, like, in his 80s. Uh, <laughs> I don't know when he officially, uh, leaves the company. Yeah, so... Uh, Nakamura officially was the president of Yamco until 2002. Uh, when he when he leaves, it's kind of the presaging where they would go when they were bought by Bandai slash merged with Bandai. Uh, but Bamco was always uh, one of those things where, like, you know, you you became the subsidiary of like a media slash toy company. Uh, in in a lot of ways, and so uh, you end up making fewer risky projects, a lot more just like assistance, essentially on licensed shit. Uh, and yeah, you it, they do become a less interesting company. Uh, I'll put it this way: Namco approved the original Katamari. I don't think Bandai Namco ever would have. Uh, let's see. Uh, can we talk about custom chips and game cartridges? Anyone remember Paprium? Oh, Jesus, don't make me think about Paprium. Uh, <laughs> so Paprium was a, a game developed by a company called Watermelon. It was a Genesis slash Mega Drive game released in like... God, what year did that actually finally come out? It was in development for like seven years. Uh... God, 2020? Jesus Christ. Uh, like, that was... 
it was developed by a company called Watermelon that's mostly, as far as I can tell, run out of the hip pocket of a uh, crazy, I want to say, French man named, who goes by the name of Fonzie. Uh, <laughs> it was initially announced in 2012, uh, real early 2012, like February 2012. The game finally actually came out in December of 2020, so nearly nine years. Um, it was designed to sort of be the ultimate Mega Drive game in terms of, like, technology. It's it's a beat-em-up. Uh, it has all sorts of, like, hidden stages. It has really impressive graphics, really, uh, like, tons of sprites shit on screen, all sorts of nonsense like that. Uh, Fonzie is a crazy person. Like, a deeply crazy man. Um... I don't know of... Oh, and Fireminer says that he put some new questions on Discord, so we'll check that before we close out. He put a lot of new questions in Discord. Okay, we probably won't check all of them before we close out, but we'll check some of them. Uh, uh, we probably but, won't check most of them before the end of the year. Yeah, we're, we're going to try. Oh, we're going gonna to do... Jeez. Okay, so, so moving on. Uh, but pa Paprium uh, is technically impressive i always want to put an asterisk on some of these because like it's very technically impressive that it happened but i always feel like you took longer to make this game than the viable lifespan of the console it was on like Yikes. if we if we just look at when the mega drive came out for being as broad as humanly possible, which is to say uh, we're, we're counting from its late 1988 release in Japan to the the end point of it as a viable system. You were, you know, like, there are a couple games that release really late in, like, 1997. It's, there's, like, a port of Frogger that comes out on the, any, on the Super Nintendo and Mega Drive in, like, 1997. But, like, Realistically, the last major game that comes out on the Mega Drive is in, like, 1995. Maybe a couple sneak into early 96. Paprium is... So, so we're looking at a viable lifespan of seven, maybe eight years if we're being, if we're being generous, versus Paprium taking eight, nearly nine years to, to make. And it's like, I don't know what this man does other than make games. Uh, Paprium went through like five, three or four rounds of like pre-orders and crowdfunding and weird nonsense horseshit involved. There are a handful of different weird versions of the game. At least one of them was packaged with a thong for some reason. Uh, it's a really strange thing that could only have been made by the derangement that comes from unhealthy levels of passion. Uh, there's some very strange choices that seem to have been made to try to lock it out of Clone Genesis hardware. Uh, the, the idea of making the ultimate Genesis game, but also including helper chips feels strange. I feel like the 
it would be more interesting to try to see what you can get out of it without a helper chip, but I mean, whatever. I think you can turn off what the helper chip is doing anyway. For some reason, they included, like, a port to allow, like, some sort of internet connection on it so that you could download DLC to this Genesis cartridge. It's a very strange game. Huh. Yeah, I just needed to briefly sidetrack to talk about Paprium, because it's really, really weird. Uh, but yeah, the, that's where the custom chips thing comes in. Next to its troubled development, the thing most people argue about is whether we would call Paprium a Genesis game, given what kind of ch custom chips it had. I believe, for the most part, like you can turn off whatever those custom chips are doing and just have it do the vanilla things. I believe, uh, I believe mostly what the custom chip is doing is uh is sound assistance but you you are allowed to turn that off and just play the game so it is for the most part functionally a mega drive game uh but you you do get into some gray areas like there are like when when i, I would not count uh say a super fx game as a demonstration of the power of the super nintendo that's it's simply not what the it, like there's it's it's reliant on the new processor for any of that to work. Uh, and you do get into some gray areas about, like, uh, at what point... Th there was... I forget, there was a third party that, uh, at one point... I don't think any of these actually came out, but there was uh, a third party that advertised something they were calling, like, super cartridges that uh, would have... Uh, they, they would have involved inserting an additional processor into it. I'm trying to remember what, it, like, because it was, it was an unlicensed game, uh, an, unli an unlicensed developer, and I'm trying to remember which one it was. Uh, uh, God, I want to say it might have been. Uh, the one that tried to port some of the, like, the really, uh, was it, was it Exidy? Can't be Exidy. I'm like, okay, American Game Cartridge? God, there's some, uh, yeah, share data? That sounds like it might have been. Uh, there, but there was, there was a company that, fucking advertised that they were going to produce, like, super cartridges that were, like, weird-looking ports of Amiga games for the NES that involved, like, inserting, like, a really just what-the-fuck-is-happening-here processor into the cartridge. Uh, and it's one of those things, like, I don't... It's it's super weird. It's, it's a very Ship of Theseus uh, console design thing. Uh... But yeah, you, you could get some... It, it's fascinating to... I think that uh, the NES and Super NES have the have the most interesting ones. Uh, most of the... Most of the... Uh, most of the Super Nintendo ones are there to uh, shore up the kind of pokey processor that the thing has. Uh, but you get stuff like the the D, like the the Super NES is I guess notable because there are launch Super NES games that have enhancement chips. What the fuck? 
What? I just I was just hearing a weird noise. <laughs> I'm a scratchy thing. Yeah, that might have been it. But no. But yeah, like it's fascinating to me that like there are there are launch Super Nintendo games that have enhancement chips. I believe Pilot Wings is a launch game, and it has a DSP one chip that's like a it's a for certain kinds of complex math, uh, floating points, trigon- trigonometry, that sort of thing. I, I know. Didn't Star Fox have one? Have some yeah, on Star Fox is the aforementioned Super FX series. Uh, huh. I mean, other than that, I know some. I mean, I know a lot of the later Super Famicom games had special chips, which is why they were all such a beast to emulate originally. Yeah, like so. the the you you get some of the ones that are like super super custom, like the uh like the CX four that uh mostly powers like weird vertice shit in uh a couple of the Mega Man X games. Uh, or um. Treasure 100G required something special to have, like, essentially 32-bit graphics. Um, yeah, that might be... Or, like, Super Mario RPG. Game. I was going to say that was one of the last games for the system, though. Yeah, Super like. Mario RPG has the SA1 chip. Uh, the SA1 got used in a fair number, actually, it looks like. Uh, but... Uh, Super Mario RPG is the easy one to remember, but it's a uh, it's another thing to sort of uh, sort of shore up the uh, processor. The SA one's clock speed is like triple what the stock processors is, uh, and then of course, like it can be hard to even describe what is considered stock on a uh, Super NES because early games also use two different kinds of ROM depending upon what their uh, depending upon whether the developer cheaped out uh, so one of the one of the things you've seen you've seen in the hacking community is uh, in a lot of the earlier ones uh, you had what was what's colloquially known as slow ROM. It was ROM that was designed to run at a certain uh, that essentially it was cheaper, and if you if the processor in the Super Nintendo was running at a slower rate, it uh, like it worked better with that ROM. But that of course meant that those games slowed down a lot more because the processor was running slower, and so there are hacks that exist to sort of answer the hypothetical question like what if gradius 3 a game that infamously runs like shit uh was on fast rom rather than slow rom and you get a game that runs a lot better actually and it becomes like a at what point uh, does that is does that count as an enhancement chip i mean like it's just that the system was compatible with two different kinds of read uh, two different kinds of read-only memory uh it, it gets it gets kind of interesting but uh yeah. If it improved the experience, then yes. But yeah. Uh, yeah, slow ROM sets the CPU to run at 2.68 megahertz, whereas the fast ROM has it running at 3.58 megahertz. So not quite, you know, a full 
megahertz faster. But when you're looking at something that's already running that's that slowly, like that's a, that's a big, it's <laughs> a lot you can do with uh, when your CPU is running like a full third faster. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in in general, it was it was avoided because it was cheaper. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. Um, so that, that was that was kind of an interesting one. I forgot. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at some of these. Uh, but you know, uh, just just in general, like Super NES games had uh, enhancement chips. Like all of the ones you care about, probably have at least some kind of. Uh, enhancement chip, except for some of the early ones uh, like Mario World, Link to the Past, Mega Man X. Like, those all, I believe, are pretty much stock. But a lot of the later ones, a lot of the impressive ones, have some amount of some sort of onboard helper. Uh, and wasn't that part of the reason why Nintendo decided to continue with cartridges instead of CDs for the longest time? Is because it was easier to... Um, supplement games like that? I don't think that's the case by virtue, simply by virtue of the fact that the, there are, as far as I'm aware, no uh, enhancement chips to be found on the N64. Uh, I mean, yeah. Which really? is which is when which is when the CD would have been a more viable alternative. I believe the explanation for that was mostly uh, concerns about read speeds. Uh, Especially at the time, you know, uh, the 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 loading, uh, the the art of how to load a video game was not fully understood. So load times were typically quite long in the mid '90s, uh, even though you weren't actually unpacking that much data. And the other thing was uh, that it was it, they were concerned that CD games would be too easy to pirate. Um, well, I mean, that was a major issue in the early 80s. Yeah, in the, in the late 80s especially, uh, you ran into things like there's there's literally no copy protection on a Turbo Graphics game. Uh, yep. Like a TGCD game, they, they were just reliant on the fact that CD burners were prohibitively expensive at the time. <laughs> By the mid '90s, that was no longer the case. Yeah, I'm talking like the mid '80s, like even before the before the Famicom came out, mm -hmm. and the earlier family computer in Japan was so easily copied that like rental stores would buy one copy, and make eight copies for themselves, and rent out the copies. Mm -hmm. And this wanna, is wanna... directly this is the direct reason why video game rentals are not allowed in Japan. Yeah. Ironically, I yeah, believe they, CD they rentals were. <laughs> what? Ironically, I believe music CD rentals were, at least for a time. Oh, they still are. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. they still are. But no, um, yeah, video game rental um, piracy was so rampant that they actually passed a law, a uh, yeah. national law about it. And I know that one of the villains in Neptunia V is based on this law. <laughs> just because they're all um, just allegorical things for the video game industry. Mm -hmm. um, 
But yeah, but they never rescinded that law. So, um, but they did make an allowance that if the game company agreed to allow rentals, then you could rent it. Yeah, you were you were allowed to like if you if you would decide if you would sign whatever devil's bargain was necessary to get the company to agree to let you rent them, you'd probably end up probably spending uh, ten times and, what the game cost at the least. But. And no, no, no. I mean, the game company had to opt in. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you if you signed whatever devil's bargain was necessary to get them to opt in. Which wasn't ever going to happen, except for that one time when Sega decided that this might actually be a way of boosting the Dreamcast right before it ended its lifespan. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I think aside from that, I think there was one time where a couple of the com like um, success, I think, or some a small group of Japanese game companies decided to try something mm -hmm. back about ten, fifteen years ago. That didn't last long either. Uh, but on the plus side, like that failure. means that the actual Japanese second-hand game market is much more robust and non-GameStop. So, yeah, well, there's a lot of reasons for why that was, but yeah, uh, but it, it's definitely a major one. Yeah, but yeah, so one of those. Uh, there's a lot of uh, strangeness around uh, custom chips. There's some fascinating ones that. Only showed up in a couple of things, but uh, let's hit at least a couple of the many new questions that got dropped in the uh, mm -hmm. dropped in the chat. Before yeah, I, we... I do have like t minus thirty minutes before I need to go leave and get children. Yeah, so so we'll hit we'll hit a very brief uh, couple of these, and oh boy, that is a lot. Um, uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, remember when I asked about big developers, quote unquote, cosplaying as an indie studio on the wake of the Dave the Diver uh, Game of the Year uh, like Game Awards debacle? Can we talk again about how much the indie label does the heavy lifting for excusing no budget for bug hunting and marketing? The thing is, like, uh, I I don't even feel like indie games are uniquely buggy at this stage. Certain uh, certainly like. Uh, I feel like a lot of true indie games, aka made by you know a small group of people without traditional publisher backing, often uh, one guy in his up, garage. Yeah, often end up languishing in a period where like they have uh, someone sitting there like polishing it for years, trying to make sure that they'll get approved for whatever store they want it to be on, and that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, there's there's definitely like. Uh, Dave the Diver, for those who aren't aware, uh, showed up as some uh, as a nominee on the uh, like Keeley's backed Game Awards uh, for Indie Game of the Year. It was uh, seemingly made uh, pretty much. Uh, it, it was made by a, as far as I'm aware, a subsidiary of like Nexon. Which is uh, a a large uh, South Korean game publisher that you probably have heard of at least once, because they made things like Maple Story and that sort of thing. Uh, by all accounts, it seems it seems pretty okay, but you know it's also like you are you are stretching 
the yeah. term indie to the breaking point by pretending that this is an indie game. Uh, yeah, it's pretty uh, oh, well, outrageous. I have no idea what Dave the Diver is, so I do not know what he's even talking about here. Yeah, it, like like I said, it was a uh, it's it's a game of uh, some description, but the the broader point here is that it was absolutely. Uh, it was definitely, at the very least, published by Nexon, which, again, makes it kind of hard to argue for uh, indie status. I have no idea. Uh, yeah, so it was it was also developed by them. It was because the official company on the label is called Mint Rocket, and mm -hmm. it's just a subsidiary of Nexon. Uh, and it's it's by all accounts it's a pretty good game, but again, like not really indie in any in any fashion at all. Developed, uh, funded from from like fr from beginning to end by a large South Korean company. Uh, I'm saying, so. was it was, or what else did Nexon did Nexon make it Maple Story? Yeah, I just mentioned that. Oh, sorry, I was looking at something else. Sorry, yeah. Gotcha. But yeah, ne Nexon was a definitely made Maple Story. They make a bunch of those like older free to play RP uh, MMOs, and they also do some other stuff. But but yeah, so now it's it's ca calling it indie by any stretch is like really just stretching that word to the point where it has no meaning. Uh, I I have no idea why this is the hill that the Game Awards have decided to die upon. Uh, this this really is one of those things where it's like, once people start raising a stink about it, you really should just like replace it in the nominations because nothing good is coming from saying like, I mean, what does because like the the response has essentially been, but what is indie really, man? It's like, I'll I'll put it this way, it's yeah. it's like the uh, it's like the to, to paraphrase the U.S. Supreme Court's uh, opinion on obscenity. Uh, you know, I, I know it. it when I see it. <laughs> and yeah, Dave the Diver is not is not in the game. Uh, and this is definitely it, this. Hmm? I was gonna say it sounds like that somebody was in a position of authority that, and made a call, and then didn't realize or realized too late and was too invested in it to back down. Yeah, sunk costs being what they are. Uh, yeah. it, it's one of those things that, like, the there's a lot of things that, like, uh, indie can be a mushy label. This is a case where it is not at all. There, there is no. This is not towing the line. This simply isn't, and it's definitely a company like Mint Rocket. Seems like I, I wouldn't even describe them. I wouldn't describe the necessary intent behind them as pretending to be indie. I think that they were designed to be sort of a prestige label. Uh, you know, there's a way that a lot of movie studios will have like a, a label for films that they think are potentially award contenders. Uh, artsy, that's uh, artsy biopics, that sort of thing. Uh, I, I think Mint Rocket was probably conceived less as pretend to be indie and more uh, prestige label, but. Uh, if nothing else, I would say that uh, that inevitably, like due to the uh, 
way that people never have like a full under uh, a full functional definition of indie like a lot of things kind of end up there that shouldn't and this is perhaps the most obvious and recent uh i'll do one more since it's related related to the previous question what do you prefer early access games or completed games that are meant to test uh, all out on the new end assets at the cost of gameplay a lot of gran turismo muso and sports games are like that you only make assets once for the entire lineup of this generation of consoles uh i'm not really into either uh like early access games i play them when they're done uh i have generally no desire to play an unfinished game when i'm not being paid to uh like it's 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 a good way of supporting somebody that you want to see finish yeah and in that case i might buy an early access game but I probably wouldn't even play it until it was done. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and like the 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 sports games, Gran Turismo's of the world, like those those do nothing for me. The closest that I get to playing this kind of thing would be like when a fighting game first launches. It's usually kind of in what we would now think of as early access, <laughs> uh, because it's it's missing a ton of characters it will eventually have. Uh, it's its mechanics are off it's often woefully unbalanced a lot of its mechanics might be might need tons of tuning before the final uh iteration that comes out five years later uh that's the closest i get to that but uh in in general i I just i don't really like to play either i suppose on some level I, i prefer uh rolling updates uh, that are just using the same uh, assets over and over because on some level uh, I, I like the preservation of the older versions like because when you're when you're making something in early access you're you're rolling out progressively updated uh, versions but the, the inherent nature of putting things in front of people uh, that aren't finished is that you're going to start making certain things then determine partway through oh wait I don't actually want to commit to this feature I don't actually care to make this feature uh, or like this quest line sounded like a good idea at the time and now I'm done with it I've decided I don't care Uh, like this is getting cut uh, maybe it blows the scope out. Maybe it forces the game into a mode that you don't actually, that players aren't actually that interested in, all sorts of things. But like, it stubs it out. It it goes away. Uh, and when you're looking at something that's like a true early access, when that goes away, it never comes back. Uh, so like, uh, to to use the fighting game example again, uh, when you look at old versions of Street Fighter Two, each release is locked in time. It's still always there. You can play like those versions are worse almost universally like than the the final version that like it, for the like their updated releases Street Fighter 2 from the last 10 years but uh like the last true like version anyone cared about Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo is is the best version of that game. But it's nice that you can go back and play Street Fighter 2 the World Warrior 
you you can't do that like as much as i love street fighter 5 it does bother me that you can't actually play the game they launched unless you find a disc from the initial pressing and disconnect your console from the internet <laughs> and if you wanted to play uh say the season 2 version of Zangief you can't do that even in the comfort of your own home like i could understand if they said like okay you can't we aren't doing a free for all of every season's version of every character online i can understand why you wouldn't do that because like a lot of the characters got buffed and nerfed because older versions of them are way too strong or complete garbage but it sucks that you can't play them at all like you, you you're not going to ever find a way to play season three of street fighter five ever again and that's uh, that kind of sucks like uh i don't actually like street fighter four very much but i did appreciate that when they did the last version of that game they added version select that allowed you to uh set to choose a version uh, like the the version of each character that showed up in the vanilla roster of each update of Street Fighter Four, so you could play as Sagat from Vanilla Street Fighter Four or Ryu from Arcade Edition 2012, and uh, there is there was nothing to that, like. If a character existed in that version of the game, you could play that version. Like you could play whatever, any version of a character that had existed in the game, and that was that was cool. That was a nice way to preserve that. Like each of those versions does have a unique flavor, even if not a lot of people want to play them. Uh, like it's nice that you can, even though Street Fighter Three New Generation sucks, it's nice that you can still play it. Uh, if you've never actually looked at Street Fighter 3 New Generation, uh, that game is wild dog shit. Um, like, it's gorgeous because the Street Fighter 3 art team, like, was impeccable. But also, Street Fighter 3 is a game where one of the main characters has an infinite that happens by repeatedly pressing the same button. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, uh, Ibuki, the the ninja girl. Uh, if you hit, if you connect with her heavy kick, that infinitely chains into itself. Uh, you have to do like a Ooh. micro walk to make sure that it hits. But they they made the infinite mistake of the way that its juggle property seems to work is that uh, they, they wanted to make sure that the juggle property would always chain properly. So, because of the way that Street Fighter 3's juggle system works, uh, basically each move adds to the juggle counter, and once it hits a certain number, uh, the uh, the character is always uh, it, it, the character can no longer be hit by moves after a certain point. The problem is that in order to make sure that her heavy kick uh, always it was it was two hits, and so the, to make sure, but it launched. So to make sure that the two always chained into each other, the first hit of her heavy heavy kick would set the juggle counter to zero, and the second hit would only add 
a couple would would not add enough to keep the first hit from hitting again. So you you hit the heavy kick, you micro walk forward like a frame, then you heavy kick again, and you just do that over and over. The enemy the, the opponent cannot get out of it, they are juggled forever until you either fuck up the input or stop because uh, the nature of how combo damage works in that game means that it would take like 40 solid seconds of doing that over and over to actually kill the opponent, and it's honestly not worth your time. You're already playing as the strongest character in the game. <laughs> Noting this all in my brain for the next time we play, got it. You're never going to play Street Fighter 3 New Generation with anyone. It's <laughs> fair. Uh, but yeah, that, that game's busted. Uh, Street Fighter 2, uh, Street Fighter 3 Second Impact Giant Attack is also incredible uh, because the game is named for Hugo. That's the one that they added. That's the that's one of the new characters they added for Second Impact. It was him and Akuma. And he's busted, but in the opposite direction. He is broken in such a way that he just sucks really bad. Uh, my one of, one of my favorite things is that his uniquely gigantic hitbox uh, means that, like, he's a grappler. He's supposed to get in your face. But all of the Shotos, characters like Ken, Ryu, Akuma, and Sean, uh, are, like, he doesn't actually want to get close to them because if they throw him, all of their throws will chain into being supered over and over again. And like he cannot take that punishment. He would like he gets brutalized by nearly everyone in the cast. But it's particularly embarrassing looking at uh, when when they throw him because it's just like he gets launched across the screen into the corner and uh, just gets supered over and over. And it's really sad to watch. Uh, which is funny because he is bar none the worst character in the game. But sec Street Fighter Three Second Impact is such an insane game that even he has a corner infinite <laughs> like if you if he if he was good enough to actually consistently get someone in the corner he would be he can guarantee a kill but there's no reason for anyone to ever let him do that <laughs> like he, he is the worst character in the game and he will just get brutalized for even attempting it uh it's a it's it's a really strange game and it's really funny. Uh, oh god, that game also has uh, another another aspect of Hugo that's broken that I'll mention before we close out. Uh, Hugo has a move that is uh, I think it's called Ultra Throw, but basically what it's supposed to do is he throws the opponent and it bounce they bounce off the screen uh, they bounce off the edge of the screen and bounce back and he can sort of do something like he can catch them in the air and do like an air throw or he has a couple of different options he can do from there. That's the idea. So, like it it's if he gets the Ultra Throw, he they bounce off the screen. He it sets up a juggle for him. There is a widescreen mode. In, it might just be in the Dreamcast version of Street Fighter 3 Second Impact. But uh, the widescreen mode is, is anamorphic. It actually increases the size of the screen and the, uh, like the amount of visible area on screen. And his ultra throw was never made to work properly with it. So if he ultra throws 
uh, from across the screen in uh, in widescreen mode, the opponent doesn't bounce properly off the edge of the screen. They just fall to the ground. <laughs> so one of his moves just doesn't work if you're playing in widescreen. <laughs> Which is just really, really funny. Uh, but yeah, I, I prefer to I, I prefer those those re-releases to early access, if only because it allows them to preserve a snapshot of a game in time. True. Okay. Yeah, I remember, actually, I think, <coughs> actually, I think the very first game I bought on Steam was early access. It was Crypt of the Necrodancer. Yeah, that was a neat game. Yeah. Mainly because I played the pre-alpha build at Tokyo Game Show one year, and I was like, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. but yeah, so I think for, for now we should probably close out, because I think Wheels is ready to pass out. Yes, accurate. And so. we've, we've had enough Street Fighter talk for now, yeah. <laughs> and, and also just, I think Wheels is just tired. Yes. But... Uh, so let's uh, let's get this uh, closed out by telling me about where I can get a nice pizza. All right, so oh, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor available on Kindle and Kindle Unlimited. Oh yes, the word from your sponsor. Oh, oh sorry, let me stretch and a little bit. So if you enjoy tabletop role-playing games, if you enjoy watching other people play tabletop role-playing games, and this is a thing. It has been for like two years, two, three years now. Um, if you I'd say bordering on five mind. at this point, but yeah. I know, for whatever it is, um, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor has been going on for longer, yeah. technically. Um, it was in before it was cool, and unfortunately before it was marketable. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, so if you enjoy living vicariously through other people's role-playing or poor role-playing skills, poor social ability, and poor dice rolls, uh, then we have all of that in ebook or dead tree format. Um, the, and again, that's Princesses of the Pizza Parlor by Michael Yarimizu, Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U, um, just because, you know, Google. Yeah. Uh, we have, uh, let's see, 12, 12 episodes, three side stories, and one really long paralogue novel. <laughs> um, going on four side stories very soon, and hopefully to have um, the fifth paperback collection out sometime next year. Nice. So, there's there's plenty to read. Um, steadily expanding. Not terribly, steadily expanding. Um, any individual episode is far less than a latte at Starbucks, so please, what are you doing? Please get it. It's some nice reading material. You could probably use it. Yep. yep. How much does a coffee at Starbucks cost these days? God, I have coffee, never. I have... A latte, iced coffee, uh, white chocolate. What's the cheapest thing you can here? get out of Starbucks? Uh, you can get a just like a regular coffee. It's about the same as a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. I don't think that's gonna help. <laughs> Three bucks. It's cheaper than that, so okay. Yeah. <laughs> For less than the cost of a cup of coffee. Yes, literally less than a cup of a cup of coffee. Yeah. And yet nobody's willing to pay for ebooks. Uh, ain't that ain't that everything these days? But yeah, it supports your local artist. Uh, 
But yeah, the Princesses of the Pizza Parlor. Give it a look. There's uh, it, it is available in whatever format suits your suits your needs. As long as it's you don't mind. As long as you're fine with text. I hope you're fine with text. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, otherwise, uh, you can ask us questions. Uh, you can ask them via the comment section on RP Gamer. Uh, I did not see any over the past four episodes, but I always appreciate sure, sure them. Been. Mm -hmm. uh. But uh, you can ask via the. Uh, comments. If you can manage to catch us when we're recording, we typically record every Thursday uh, at. Uh, sorry, brain is dying. Uh, we, we typically record every Thursday uh, at midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific, uh, until whenever one or more of the hosts is dying. Uh, we also have our Sunday show, Shenanigans where we play typically multiplayer games unless we're all tired, in which case we also play a single-player game and we tell him he's bad at it. Uh, you, mm -hmm. you know that we abuse you every time. Uh, but uh, that's, that's at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern on Sundays. Uh, you can also ask us questions in the RP Gamer Discord. If you are not part of the RP Gamer Discord, you can join it by going to uh, rpgamer.com and clicking into the community tab. There's a invite link within that. It's a lovely community whether you want to ask us questions or not, like dear friend Fireminer does. Uh, thanks once again for all the questions. But uh, or you can ask. Uh, you know, it, it, it we we appreciate questions is what I'm trying to say. But yeah, otherwise I think that sums it up for us. So see you, space cowboys. Mm -hmm. See ya.